0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. My name is Jimmy Champagne, and I'm joined today, as I usually am, by my best friend and co-host, George Frizzard. How's your week going?
1: Pretty good, man. How's yours?
0: Um, Great, because it hasn't really started, because it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, not that busy yet.
1: was able to celebrate Martin Luther King Day by not going into work, so that was pretty great for me. <sighs>
0: Lucky. I had to work, but we got two weeks off at Christmas, and... There was no traffic, so no complaints, really, from me. But this is the 84th episode of our show. This week, we're reviewing the breakout foreign film that's nominated for many Oscars, I think. It's called Parasite. And uh, also, you can email us with any questions, comments, or just say hi whenever you want at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us both individually on Twitter at our names, Jimmy Champagne and George Rizard. Uh, Before we get into the news... Let's catch up on what we've been watching and playing. George, I'll let you start.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, one thing I've been trying to catch up on is I know Sabrina season three just dropped. So I kind of ducked out in the last season like halfway through. So I've been slowly rewatching that like an episode or so a day. Um, okay. and I, I really like that show. I think it's like totally fun, like bad CW show. Stuff that like I'm I'm very much into, even though I know it's not everybody's bag.
0: <laughs> it has a lot of viewers, though. Like, it's yeah, not, definitely. It's not that it's not popular.
1: No, but I think it just hits that like perfect level of like super cheesy, like over dramatic, but there's still some really cool stuff. Like the third episode of season two, uh, Satan tests Sabrina by asking her to burn down her high school, which is pretty awesome uh okay (laughs) so there's just a lot of like pretty like metal stuff in that show that i really dig and i recommend anybody who's into that like level of cheese like anybody who's watched uh who's a fan like the riverdale show or like vampire dies or anything like that i think sabrina is a a good jumping on point but with high production values i
0: have a tv next to my desk now so maybe that'll be a good show to watch (laughs) while i'm playing subnautica
1: yeah while you're exploring the the depths of the ocean
0: i can just look up and watch trash <laughs> <laughs> is
1: um, it
0: the real season 2 or is it uh like you know how cw does it where it's like a 40 episode season and they do it in two parts
1: no no it's a real season 2 so um it's when did like it another come out? it came out like last year um oh. cuz there was the first season and i think there was a christmas special And then they put out season two, maybe like the summer or like a little bit before that last year.
0: Nice. Cool. And that's on Netflix?
1: Yep. It's on Netflix. Netflix original. Season three just dropped. Uh, I see. Season three looks pretty bloody. If you, I follow uh, Kieran Shipka on Instagram and looks like it, there's uh, some cool stuff in store.
0: She's in a lot of Netflix stuff now. She's in like a ton of it. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. She was in that pretty terrible, uh, silence movie.
0: Oh yeah, wasn't she like the main character in it?
1: She was like one of the only recognizable actors. The only other person I I can remember who's in that movie was uh, Merlin from the Kingsman
0: series. Martin Strong. Why do I remember that? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even seen The Silence. So it also says here you're watching the mind of Aaron Hernandez. I think I like. I was gonna say I watched part of this, but I actually didn't. I was watching it while I was editing a video. And then the, I was like, man, it just started. And then the first episode ended. So I missed the whole thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, that's definitely one you kind of have to, like, pay attention to. But uh, so, I mean, essentially, it's a Netflix original true crime documentary, which is sort of in the same line as, like, when they released Don't Fuck With Cats, like, a month ago or, or maybe a little bit before that. Uh, where it's just like a true crime documentary that Netflix is doing. I'm not sure if it's the same company or not, but they seem to be kind of pushing this original content. Uh, And so Aaron Aaron Hernandez was a player on the Patriots like a couple years ago. And turns out he killed like four people. And so this is like (laughs) the story of his life and him being a criminal. Turns out. And his like double life he was leading as both a professional athlete and a murderer. So this is another thing I recommend. I mean, this I'm obviously not a sports fan. Couldn't tell you what position he played in the Patriots. But uh, if you're into true crime, I think this is a pretty well done documentary and, and definitely worth a watch.
0: OK, that's one I'm going to go back and watch then. Um, it looks pretty it's good. like a... I like true crime stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like a three-part documentary. I think they're like roughly about an hour each, so you know, you could space it out or if you really have nothing going on, you could just kind of end it out in a night.
0: Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll check that out. I think they're making way more of these true crime docs because that's what gets people to watch for a long period of time and people don't really have like a barometer for quality. On those things, I yeah, don't feel totally. like... Because they're just like, oh, I will blindly accept everything that's being said here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, people don't really fact check anything that's in those. But if it's, like, interesting enough or outlandish enough, they'll watch the whole thing. And yeah. uh, I- I'm sort of in that boat, too. But I'll-, I'll actually go in and, like, try to read some stuff about it, like, while it's on or, or afterwards. Uh, but I think this one's definitely interesting and worth a watch.
0: Cool. Um, so, uh, I'm watching the netflix dracula show which oh, yeah, you, you mentioned picked it up last week after uh, I, watched, I talked about it yeah and then i was like oh, i don't know it seems a little trashy and then i was it, it was kind of like the perfect storm um where i was like looking for something to watch and then i saw it on there and i was like why not the first episode is awesome it's like the first episode on its own is like a great movie
1: yeah the first episode is i think definitely the strongest in the the three parts like I I would have preferred if it like stayed in the like gothic original like vampire stuff more like if they just had the whole show based around that I think it would have maybe turned out better
0: but I think yeah, it's Yeah I worth liked the the whole plot line with the dude in his house that was yeah. sweet Yeah that the was really cool The guy shows up he's just like oh, ho, ho, I'm here" It was weird so I was I was doing other shit obviously I was like editing a video again so one thing I missed do you know like, you know how when he gets to the castle, Dracula's, like, old as dirt? Yeah. Okay, so, like, does he recognize that Dracula's becoming younger? Because by the point he's younger, it's like, you know, he's not... He hasn't mentioned it, I don't think.
1: Um, so they sort of bring that up when he's... Because, like, it's told via flashback where it's, like, after he's already in the, like, the nunnery. And he's talking about, like, his diary and, like, what happened to him the last, like couple months or whatever um what like the main nun the who's talking to him asks like you know like he's getting stronger and stronger as you stayed there and you were getting weaker and weaker so like i think it was just like he was so drained like both metaphorically and like literally that it wasn't really something he was noticing because he was just so like tired and out of it the entire time and then like obviously the weaker he got the like less he was noticing Things like him getting younger and, like, uh, you know, things like that.
0: Okay, cool. I liked that first episode a lot. The second one, I was like, eh, it's okay. Third one, I, like, kind of got into a little bit and I started of lose the plot for me just a tiny bit. But I liked the first episode enough. It was gory. The castle set looked really cool. Yeah. I liked the whole, like, werewolf transformation.
1: That was cool. I, I've seen a lot of people saying that, like, the confrontation between Dracula and the Nuns is, like, one of their favorite things they've seen this year where like he (laughs) he, like throws the head to the pack and like comes out of the wolf and everything and i mean that that is like definitely a really cool scene
0: yeah and i like how uh van helsing wait so all right guys i'm gonna spoil something a character (laughs) moment that you're not gonna want to know so skip ahead like 15 seconds i like uh how van helsing is like revealed how she's nun. yeah i thought that that
1: was cool too because like I was thinking about that while I was watching it, like, well, who's going to be, like, that character in this? And then I thought that was, like, a cool, like, turn-the-trope-on-its-ear reveal.
0: Yeah. It's weird that someone sat down and was like, we're going to remake a Dracula show. But it's original enough. I like the gothic setting. I feel like you can never really go wrong with Dracula, and just, like, doing the actual story right is cool. But the guy they picked to play Dracula is also uh, pretty good in the role. It's just overall, I see what you mean about these BBC shows, like, being very high quality.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely for these, like, this style show, where they'll do, like, three episodes a year, or, like, every two years, it's it's really not about, like, I think with a lot of American TV, it's, like, there's a cool idea and, like, milk it till it's dry and, like, the last season sucks. And BBC right. is, like, not that style Like, if they make something, it's, like, because they have an original idea or, like, something they want to showcase. And then once they make it, it's, like, that's, like, that's what we made. And, like, we're going to make sure it's, like, as good as it possibly can be.
0: I don't know. It's the British Broadcasting Company. I don't know if they get, like, money from the government. But that would make sense why they can have a little bit more leeway with what they're making if they do. But I do not know.
1: (laughs) I don't know how how the politics of that works.
0: Yeah, and I also watched the first two episodes of The Outsider, the new Stephen King show on HBO, and it was pretty good. It's a it's like a little out there. I'm like trying I don't like when shows give me two episodes and re- like don't tell me anything about what's going on. But it's really well made and there's a ton of big named actors in it. And it kind of has a true detective vibe a little bit, and it's interesting. I will definitely watch a couple more episodes, but people were calling those first two episodes like the best Stephen King adaptation ever, and I was like, based on what? Like, (laughs) if, If you've read the book, you know everything that's going to happen, so I guess you have a different perspective. But as someone who hasn't read the book, there was definitely not enough there to be like definitively, this is the best Stephen King adaptation I, I don't know. I don't think at least, but it's well-made. It's cool. uh It's like a cool cop procedural type thing where a murder happens and a guy gets accused of it. And then slowly as things unravel, it's revealed that like, Oh, he couldn't have done it because he was actually in this place at this time. But we have CCTV footage of him here at this time during the murder. So it's like a cool doppelganger type thing. And obviously it's on HBO. So it got a huge budget. But I, I think it's worth checking out. But I wouldn't get too overhyped on it just yet.
1: Yeah, this is a show uh, I've been told to watch by a few people. And it's one that's definitely on my list of something to, to get around to. Uh, so I definitely want to check it out. But I haven't actually gotten a chance to watch any of it yet.
0: Have you read the book?
1: No, I haven't read the book either. So okay, then, yeah, I'd be going in like completely move. blind. Yeah.
0: Yeah, just like let a couple episodes build up, I would say. I mean, I, I understand why they launched it with two episodes because you don't get nearly enough context for what's going on with the first episode. It Mm -hmm. definitely needs the the two. It's like Um, at least a little bit more,
1: more like place setting, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's like digestible at that point. Um, But yeah, I'm curious to watch more. I just, I don't understand. I I don't understand why people need to be so hyperbolic about this shit all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of ridiculous. But it says here you've been playing two VR games, super hot and Boneworks. Oh, no, three VR games, (laughs) super hot, Boneworks, Invader Immortal. What do you think of your VR headset?
1: Yeah, so my VR headset just showed up. So that's kind of been the majority of my recent gaming time where I've been, you know, trying to play with it since it's it's the newest toy that I got. And it's awesome. I'm a huge fan of VR for like the little bit that I played with it so far. Um,
0: So we both have Oculus quests at this point.
1: Yeah, you. Uh, when you were it's just in town, in you kind of sold me on it by showing me a few of the games that you've played on it, and me using it a bit, and like seeing how well it works with like limited space, and you don't need a cable if you're just playing Quest games, and the interface is good, and the controllers are good, it's like the first headset to get hand tracking, uh, it has the Quest link capabilities, it just seems like that's the one to get right now.
0: Yeah, and just the resolution on it is a lot better than its competition. I think uh, the obviously the Valve Index is like the peak of VR. Like that's yeah, the one to get. That's like the have, super
1: high end.
0: Right, like if you have a twenty eighty Ti and an i nine and all that, and shit, a whole you really room want, to play like, VR and yes, all that. Because it uses lighthouses, which is great. But the knuckle controllers are good. They're they're probably the best VR controllers. I could, I say not having tried them. But just based on what they do and how well I've seen them work online, they I would guess they're the best ones. But second to that would be the touch controllers, which is what the Oculus Quest uses. It's also what the um, Rift S uses. So you're not really losing out by using the Quest. And then obviously, I think we've talked about it on here, but you can plug in your Quest to your computer via a very specific USB-C cable. You need like a USB 3.1 USB-C cable. And you can use it as a Rift. So if you have 400 bucks, use buying the Rift S doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, because really. you could just plug it into a PC if you had a powerful enough secondary device and then play the same stuff, but on this device for cheaper.
0: So I played all the games you have listed here. Vader's really cool. It's like a good first steps type deal. It makes sense that that's the like selling point of the quest right now where... Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you get Vader for free, if, or you did around Christmas, so you right? Got that. that was
1: like if you got it before. I think it's the end of this month. Um, you got the first three chapters, or that's the whole thing. But it's like all three chapters of Vader Immortal, uh, and, and like you said, that's a cool like jumping on point for VR. Like it kind of shows you like how they use environments. Uh, there's like some cool scaling stuff. Like whenever Vader gets really close to you, he's like a head taller than you, and is like super imposing. Uh, You use a lightsaber, which is, like, obviously really intuitive with, like, a good VR controller, like these touch controllers are, Uh, and it's, like, you know, it's a franchise that everybody kind of has a a good affinity to, so it's a good game to play because you probably like Star Wars, and so it's, like, I've wanted to use a lightsaber, and it fits that really well uh and and i'm i'm impressed with that game i think it's like really fun it tells a cool story i mean it's actually tied into the most recent movie because it explains the plants on mustafar which is like kind of cool that it has a canon explanation for something that's in the latest movie right Um,
0: which ironically you wouldn't know from watching the movie right
1: like it's just like mustafar has trees on it now but this game this like very specific (laughs) vr game is the only way to get like the backstory on
0: that yeah, but it's a really cool VR game. Yeah, I thought I mean, that was or, like a... it, all the mechanics work well enough. It's, it's not as seamless as a lot of other games are. Like stuff definitely gets a little glitchy in it. But if you yeah. played anything else, you wouldn't know. I only yeah. know having played better games.
1: Right, and like I think definitely the lightsaber stuff works better than the force power stuff does so like the i think the first chapter is like pretty significantly better than the second one because like the second one basically fakes focuses on using like your force abilities and those aren't as intuitive and don't really work as well as the lightsaber stuff but i think it's definitely worth the playthrough overall especially if you get it for free like why not
0: yeah i paid um, for it and i thought it was definitely worth it but you've also played bone work i mean everyone's talking about super hot vr at this point like yeah it's Super Rod's probably one of the best VR games. It wasn't made originally for VR, but it just works really well in there because it's a game where time only moves when you move. Works really well. I blew through that in like one sitting. It was awesome.
1: And it totally, like it feels like it was made from the ground up for VR. Like hiding behind Mm -hmm. like things in the world, like being able to grab a gun out of the air and like dual wielding pistols and everything feels really cool. Like Mm -hmm. that's so far like one of the best feeling games that I've played in VR. Um, and I, I would say like, if you're on the fence, that is like probably a huge system seller in my opinion, especially on the quest where you don't need to plug it into like a PC and you can have the full wireless experience. I think that's awesome where you can like lay on the ground or like duck behind stuff and move around. That's just like mm-hmm. a really awesome experience.
0: But the best uh, VR game, but the best VR games
1: is Boneworks. Um, it's so good. Boneworks is awesome. That's like the... I've heard a few places call it like Half-Life uh, 2.5, where it's like this physics-based, sort of looks like Source Engine style game, uh, and it's so far the VR game I play that has the most like attention to detail. Where like swinging a sledgehammer with one hand won't break a window, but if you hold it with two hands and grip it the right way and swing it, then it will break a window. Like it has total, you know, everything. The environment has physics. Uh, guns are, you know, control as well as like Pavlov, which is the other like big, huge shooting game where you have to actively like reload and cock your guns before you use them. So it's like totally immersive, really cool. Some awesome puzzles. Um, I mean, just everything about it is like totally polished and and super inventive. Like the most ambitious VR game for sure that I've played.
0: Yeah, I loved Boneworks. It's so awesome. I keep going back to play it. I've just still been playing Subnautica, um, which is one of the best games I've ever played hand- like, easily. It's so good. It's like an open world. I talked about it a little bit last week, but if you guys haven't heard that yet, it's like an open world underwater game where it's a survival game like Minecraft or The Forest or something like that. But you always have a goal. Like Your ultimate goal is to build a rocket ship to fly off this planet But the rocket ship plans are on the ship you crash landed on. So it's like you have to build up your like equipment to the point where you can break back into the ship you crash land on, make your way through it and get the plans for the rocket. But tandem to that is a whole plot line about these people who lived there for a long time. They're like researchers. There's like a whole alien plot line trying to figure out why ships keep getting shot down on this planet. It's so good. It's really delivered well. At first, I was playing without a guide and it was totally fine. But then, like, there's no map in the game, so using a guide towards the back half just makes everything a little bit more fun. But man, that game is so good, and it's only twenty dollars.
1: It's also um, so included much content on Game Pass. For- yeah,
0: there's an Xbox One version. I think it's out on PS4 too, but it was in it was in early access for a little while. So it's also Xbox on Game Pass for it. PC. Okay, cool. So, yeah, if you have Game Pass, there's, like, no reason not to play it. It's so good. It's one of the best games, like, ever, honestly. So good. And then this week, there's this game called Walking Dead Saints and Sinners coming out. I've been looking into that, and it's for VR. It looks like it takes a lot of the same physics-type stuff as Boneworks and the same shooting as Pavlov and Boneworks, but it's an open-world Walking Dead game, and it's set in the comics universe. So you're, like, in New Orleans. You have this hub world, which is your little... Uh, RV and that's where all your weapons are stored you go out on missions into this open world they say the story is about 15 hours long but there's side missions and like exploration based rewards you can get like finding weapons and stuff so that's 40 bucks and it comes out Thursday Uh, so I think I'm definitely gonna pick that up
1: yeah that's that's something I'm definitely interested in I think that sounds awesome and the stuff I've the like limited stuff I've watched it look really cool
0: it's it looks I'm like waiting for the other shoe to drop and have it be terrible because it's like a licensed <laughs> Walking Dead game. But I'm very curious about it because it's made by like Skybound is working on it. But the people developing it are, Sun, are Skydance. Skydance is a film company that just opened in like a game division called Skydance Interactive. And the noteworthy thing is they hired Amy Henning, who's the lady who wrote uh, Legacy of Game Soul Reaver and all of the Uncharted games except for... And then she was working on that star Wars game that never shipped and got visceral closed. So that's kind of like a black mark on her career, but she's over at skydance. I'm curious to see what this studio can put out. And I'm mostly just interested in that. So I'll probably be playing that this weekend, but the big thing we've got George this week to talk about is parasite, which is, (laughs) this is like suddenly becoming the biggest movie. It's actually been out in theaters for a while now. Um, I think mostly because Neon, the company you distribute it, is owned by Alamo Drafthouse. So I always see it at the Alamo. I'm like, oh, it's still playing. It's still playing. Mm -hmm. Got nominated for a ton of Oscars. It's directed and co-written by Bong Joon-ho. He wrote... uh, I guess he directed Snowpiercer. Uh, He also did this movie called The Host, which is really good. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have been loving this movie because it's like a dark comedic thriller about societal warfare and... I thought it was as close to perfect as a movie like this gets.
1: Yeah, I loved it as well. I thought it was a really cool story. Um, I mean, it's like pretty layered in the sense where like it, it starts off as if it's sort of just like this family of like essentially con artists that are taking advantage of this like wealthy family and trying to extort as much money as they can from them in a sense. Uh, and it kind of gets darker from there. But I thought it was, you know, extremely well acted, well written, like a really cool story an awesome setting. Like I thought that that house I stayed in was so cool. And it's like another one of those like, like a, it's really, it takes place over like two places. It's like their low income housing and this like upper, obviously like mansion style house, which was kind of a cool, like, not only does that explain, you know, not only does it display, I guess, like wealth disparity, but like the difference in quality of living between these two families.
0: Right. The weird thing is a lot of people, I think, are looking a little too far into it. They're saying that there's like the wealth disparity thing is the the family will never get out of it, but there's a wrench thrown in their plan, but it seems like they've all worked their way into this jobs with this family that pay well and the family's paying them it's not like Mm -hmm. the family's exploiting them you know what i mean like they all go in and everyone ends up getting a job is basically like yo uh we're gonna charge you more based on our fake credentials but the family doesn't know they're fake obviously the parks and they're like okay yeah sounds good so it's like they are making like good money while they're working for this family and they even get to the point where they're considering moving out of their terrible living conditions but then of course a wrench gets thrown in the plan it was just like the whole thing the whole point of the movie is like about how plans get screwed up and like not having a plan is the best plan and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that's like one angle of it the other angle of it is like absolute power corrupts absolutely you know like they act the rich people the parks act like they're good people but when the their employees aren't around that's when they're like true color show. And that's kind of another right. branching path that gets crazy. Um, but it all really comes together in the end. And it's just so well shot and well edited. The translation was great. The subtitles really conveyed every mood perfectly. That's one thing I've noticed with a lot of foreign films. is Like, you know, like indie foreign films. Sometimes they don't capture the inflection of what's actually being said by the actors. But right. it was done really well in this movie, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that I think like a lot of the strengths of this movie are basically that like it it plays with tone a lot, where it it'll go from like kind of like happy go lucky or like you know like a kind of happy moment to like a psychological thriller within yeah. this sp- like within the span of a scene, and it'll go from like super tense to you know like you're like getting to know characters and you can really like feel for them and and understand their points of view really easily. Uh, and I and I thought that was just done really well, and like I said before, like very well. acted. The story was like a a real thrill ride for me. Like I didn't know where it was going from start to finish. Like where you know, it seemed like every decision they were making, I was like on the edge of my seat, not sure what was going to happen next.
0: Right. I was always wondering what the end goal was. For right. The, um, I don't like I, the, all these characters have like the most korean names so i don't really know (laughs) how to say the parks are the rich family and then the other people are the not rich family but they all have english names like kevin and jessica and stuff like that and i i wanted to know like what that the the poor family's eventual goal was you know
1: right and i mean it seemed like at some points they were they had like some big plans for the future but then at other points they were like well how are they going to make those things work so is that yeah. really a feasible future or is it not? So you can that really was an see, interesting
0: Yeah, you can see their plans getting kicked back. Every time they have like one step forward, it's like two steps back. Right. But I can definitely see why this movie's catching on with uh, you know, everyone right now. Cause, you know, it people are trying to extrapolate this South Korean mindset onto like the American mindset. And I think it works in some ways, and I don't think it works in others, but the movie really does a good job at opening a door into, like, its world. It helps you understand what's going on in South Korea. Like, you get a great South Korean perspective. And that's what I personally appreciated about it a lot. I thought it was really good. And I saw that... uh, bong joon ho was like people were like oh he should do a marvel movie and he was like straight up like nah not for me we wouldn't work i was like (laughs) all right that's cool that's a fucking awesome
1: yeah i mean it's just cool too that like uh like i i was trying to think about the last like really popular foreign film i could think of and it was another south korean i i guess if you want to classify this as like a horror movie uh was trained to busan i think was the last like really big foreign mm-hmm. film that I've saw like a lot of people from different walks of life like recommend or talk about um, so I I think it's just cool that like South Korea is sort of coming into their own in in like foreign films so they're actually making entertainment that's like getting recognized around the world
0: yeah I, I'm really excited for Train to Busan sequel which comes out this year that movie's like turning into a whole universe and then there's another foreign movie that a lot of people are talking about was One Cut of the Dead. Which is actually on Shutter now, so I really want to check that one out. Um, but this is a great entry point for foreign movies. I think it's very accessible.
1: Yeah, it's very accessible. I think it deserves all the credit that it's been getting, like on these. Certain, like I think it's extremely well written, well directed, well edited. I think you know whatever it wins on this uh, like award circuit, I think it completely deserves.
0: Yeah, I want to see what's going to happen with it because I know that. The director, Bong Jun Ho, he's like turning it into a show on HBO. It's going to be in the same oh, really? universe. It's not just like a literal adaptation of it, I guess, but it's going to take the themes and ideas of it and turn it into an HBO series, which I'm assuming means it'll be in English. So I'm curious to see how that translates over and how the story will be changed. Yeah. Because like, I think it works really well for Korea. You know, like I think it really shows like both sides of what it's like to live there. But even in the, like, I guess, quote unquote, poor areas of Korea, it looks so, like, cool. Not, it doesn't look cool. It looks like it's well portrayed on screen. Like right. It's shot like, really well it, to yeah. make it look nice, even though it's, like, not necessarily the best place to live in, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Just, like, shot work overall is great. There's tons of, you know, good sequences that are filling in gaps. With, like, walking from one place to another, whereas other people are driving. They really hammer home basically how different the two walks right, of life are two, in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. And just the whole idea that, you know, the poor family, they're all in it for each other. They're all trying to, like, build each other up, you know? Right. It's like, as
1: like, a unit, they're trying to, you know, make their living situation better and, and rise, you know? rise everybody up to the same level and and to benefit from it as most that they can.
0: Yeah, and then the mom in the rich family, the parks, kinda of just sits around, the dad's kind of doing everything. They hire a housekeeper. Just it's hard not to talk about this movie without talking about the twist, because that's where it really goes from like an eight to a ten for me. Right. Just when you realize what's going on, it's ridiculous. The guy there's a character who comes in and the guy they get to play him is just like insane,
1: an absolute it's, nut job. Like <laughs> yeah. I believe that guy is actually insane.
0: Yeah, he's got the the thing that um, what's his name? Bill Skarsgård has, where his eyes kind of go with the different directions, right. and it just kind of yeah. like gives like he looks unhinged every time he's on screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only literally, literally one thing that kind of just lost me for one second in this movie, and there's a character who gets injured, I'm not going to say where in the movie, but they very, very clearly should have died. Like, there's just no reality in which they would live in this situation. And then they do, and there's a situation where another character has suddenly happened to them, and it's very clear that they could have lived through this, and they don't. So that bothered me. I was like, oh, come on. like it, the, the logic leap required to accept that a character lives through what they go through is just kind of yeah. out there. In my opinion. But that's my only flaw with this movie, honestly. Just Yeah, personally, was great. Uh,
1: I gave Editing, it... everything. Yeah. I I was a huge fan of it. Personally, I gave it a 5 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
0: Yep, me too. So, I highly recommend Parasite. You can still go see it in theaters, but I bought it on Amazon for $15. And that's about what I would pay for a movie ticket. And I got to watch it in bed on my iPad. You know, someone got really pissed at me. They are like oh, you need to see this movie in theaters. And I disagree. I don't think there's anything... Like, it's really well shot, obviously. That's what we're talking about. But there's nothing over the top about it, you know? Like, no, definitely. I mean,
1: everything... I don't think... Like, there's no really, like, insane visuals that you would need to see in, like, an IMAX screen or whatever. The story is, like, pretty intimate and, mm. and like, tight. So I don't really understand the the logic behind having to see it on, like, a full, like, a 120 foot screen or whatever
0: yeah this is the rare movie where i i obviously think the best way to see it would be in a theater but i don't think you're necessarily losing anything by watching it at home on your tv or your ipad i honestly love watching movies on my ipad in bed because the screen's right in front of my face and i i don't do anything else you know like it's like the best spot to like really take in a movie and watch it with some good Mm -hmm. headphones um, that's how like my favorite place to watch horror movies, but also a lot of people are calling this movie a horror movie in no reality. Is this even adjacent to the horror genre? It is at best a thriller. It's, yeah. it's a dark comedy first and then kind of a thriller towards the back half of a movie. But there, if you're kind of turned off by seeing this, cause you think it's going to be a little scary or something, it's, it's not scary at all. It's the most, it's overall, it's just the word I would use to describe it is accessible. It's a very accessible movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's just a really interesting, unique story that you're going to get drawn into as soon as you start paying attention to it.
0: Yeah, and don't look up reviews or I wouldn't even watch a trailer just cuz there's twists that kind of get spoiled by the trailer. And don't let the reviews overhype you because the reviews are a little much, you know? You can say a movie's great without acting like nothing that came before it or nothing that comes after it is ever going to be as good, you know? Right. But I think it's a excellent movie, and I'm really excited to see more from this guy. It's not like he's this new director or anything. Like, I've seen The Host. We both watched Snowpiercer. We know what this guy can do, but it's just mm-hmm. like he makes it look effortless, and that's what's really cool about him.
1: Yeah, totally. I think he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him.
0: Cool, so that's our review of Parasite. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back with our news segment. All right, George, this week we have six news stories to talk about and let's start with a Halloween alert. This one's not a surprise because it's not as tiny as (laughs) last. So. There's a Halloween Kills script screenplay going around and people really genuinely think or I guess thought it was real. So basically what happened is a guy posted on Reddit the Halloween movies subreddit last weekend saying he had a leaked script from Halloween Kills and he would send it to anyone who left their email Then throughout the week he kept posting and posting and like arguing with people who were calling him out. He really looked like he was loving the attention and then eventually he just decided to post it on the subreddit through Google Drive uh immediately i wasn't going to read it because i was like if it's real i don't want to know what's going to happen right uh, but if it, if it's fake i'll definitely check it out and then ryan turek said it was fake brad Miska said it was hilariously fake and started tweeting out lines from it that were just like so comically <laughs> not that's not something i'm going to script that obviously it was fake um did you see any about uh, anything about this <laughs>
1: Um, I mean, I definitely saw a few people talking about it on the, I think it was like the Halloween movies subreddit where people were, um, you know, talking about it as a supposed leak, but kind of speculating on what could happen based on this and, and kind of buying into the, I guess, quote unquote hype that this was the, the script that leaked. Um, but I didn't really see any like direct quotes or, or scenes from it because like you I was trying to avoid avoid it in case it was real because I wanted to be you know fully into it once the movie actually released this year.
0: Okay, so once I realized it was fake, I started reading it and yes, it is 100% fake. What this person did is they took the teaser we got in October, you know that behind the scenes teaser that's just a right. collection of shots. They took all of those moments. And wrote a script around them they put in the time to write a 100 page screenplay around behind the scenes footage and they also used pictures we've gotten like of Haddonfield Memorial Hospital and um Sheriff Brackett coming back and you know just things basically they used a lot of the stuff for my videos and they even added in theories for my videos which is weird because I asked the guy for a script and he was like, wait, is this Jimmy? Like, oh my god, like he's a fan. Which makes me like even more sad that someone would think I'd be cool with this, you know? Right. Uh, and they, they they worked in just some terrible, bizarre stuff. Uh, there are tons and tons of different reasons it's fake. First one being it takes the teaser, lays it on chronological order, and then connects the doc. Second one being, it's written by someone who speaks English as a second language, and people are like, "This is Danny McBride we're talking about." It's like, like what the guy are who's written about? like multiple
1: very well received TV shows and is like a comical genius in terms of writing.
0: Yeah, people, I, I don't understand why it's so hard for people to separate the character someone plays from the actual person. But that's yeah, exactly. Like What's he's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not a brain damaged idiot right like he's not his i'm not saying that the person who wrote this is yeah but the like level at which this is written is just like comically bad so i think it's like honestly rude and disrespectful to ever act like you know two professional writers who are i think both oscar or at least emmy winners uh would ever have a draft like this unprofessional and just overall just terrible it's bad it's it's just legitimately bad there's a line at the end where laurie's like talking she's like i'm not gonna create another laurie strode i'm gonna go get him and uh karen's like mom i love you i've been with you and i always will be with you it's like so cheesy and over the top <laughs> when lee brackett's reintroduced he comes up to allison and he's like oh your last name is strode and she's like yeah it's been a rough night and he's like well, it is halloween everyone's entitled to one good scare and then walks away a at that point it'd be like 3 a.m on november 1st so like <laughs> it's stupid and the people are like oh but they 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 knew michael had a halligan tool it's like yeah that was in the the teaser he comes out of the house with the halligan tool so they, they really did just like just fill it in right
1: just try to like fill in what has already been shown to everybody
0: yeah, and you and I both know something that's going to be in the movie. Uh, yeah, and all that I was wasn't, on it, obviously and that, that wasn't, wasn't even, in the like, script. Yeah, and we like yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. So, but I I just to firmly debunk this, I messaged Ryan and I was like, "Yo, this is fake, right?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's hilariously fake, it's terrible." And people are saying that he was doing damage control. If this was a real script, he wouldn't be allowed to even talk. He wouldn't even be allowed to like reference that he knew it existed. Like, what happened with Star Wars? No one involved with Star Wars was going to talk about the leaks because they could lose their jobs. And that's what would happen here. And then people were saying that Brad was doing damage control by saying it was fake. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Brad leaked half the shit that we know about this movie. What does he care about covering for a corporation? He doesn't give a fuck. If he had the script himself, he'd probably be the first one to post it on Bloody Disgusting. Because at that point, it's public knowledge. So... I know it's fun to get be like, oh, the script leak. I can read it. and know it's going to happen in the movie early. But this isn't real. There's no argument to be had. No one's lying to you. There's no conspiracy here. I feel, I feel like this is what happens when people think people get paid to write game reviews. You know, like right. paid off by the publishers. It's just like, no, that's not happening. But um, I, I did a whole video on it where I basically went line by line through the script and was like, here's everything that's wrong. And one of the <laughs> biggest things that's wrong is... Is that the you know the black lady in the nurse costume from Halloween 2018 who's in the teaser for Kills? Mm-hmm. She's like unloading a deagle into Michael. <laughs> it looks like yeah. uh, the script says that she's Julian's mom, but that was debunked a long time ago. Like Turk was like, no, nah, she's not Julian's mom. <laughs> so that should have been the like final nail in the coffin. But people want to act like they know what they're talking about when they don't. I guess it was what it really comes down to.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, the most shocking part is that someone took the time to write a hundred-page fake script for this movie. Like, I know, it's, I just it's don't like understand a, that time commitment.
0: And credit where it's due, it is formatted like a screenplay, <laughs> um, but it's also full of insane grammatical errors. Like every apo- every time there's a plural of a word, they use the possessive apostrophe. So it's like, police officers enter the house. It's police officer apostrophe S. <laughs> and then there's one paragraph on the first page where it happens in three sentences in a row. It's like, sirens with an apostrophe. Like, sirens blare. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Police officers. Wrong. And firefighters. Wrong. It's like, <laughs> that's the first page. And people are going to act like this is anything. Right. Then scary. it's a like so, credible
1: source for like what's going to actually happen in the movie.
0: Yeah, and uh lindsey wallace is introduced with a line that says Lindsay wallace is introduced she's all grown up now and she looks great <laughs> and then there's a li- they actually write uh laughs into the script so it's like ha, ha 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 is like written in there's a part where it says john carpenter's score kicks up it's like,
1: people are like it's no this is definitely real it's like come on dude, yeah it's not i real. i couldn't like like i said i didn't read it but from these short explanations, I can't believe anybody was ever fooled by this script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I, I'm just assuming it's young people, younger people who don't wouldn't know any better that are like, oh, maybe it's real. Yeah, but...
1: like the Child's Play 2019 fans that read this and they're like, I know the movie, and I don't have to take my mom to the theater to buy me a theater ticket.
0: Oh, did you just read a message from our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so next up here, we have the underwater director has confirmed that the monster in the movie is actually Cthulhu. His name is William Eubank. Uh, What do you think of this, George?
1: So, uh, the most surprising part of this article to me was that Cthulhu is apparently in the public domain now, so anybody can use Cthulhu freely. I guess that
0: makes sense because, like, Cthulhu saves the world, your favorite game.
1: Right, I mean, I guess, like, I... I guess it makes sense but I guess I I didn't really think about it that way like I didn't really assume that it was like a like I thought someone would probably be protecting the legality of it or someone would own the rights to it but I I think it's cool I mean obviously when we reviewed the movie and and when I saw the movie I thought it was you know very Cthulhu-esque monster like definitely Lovecraftian themed yeah Um, but it's cool that you know it's a public domain character and that the director intended that to be the actual Cthulhu. Like, I think he's a super awesome character, and he looked great in the movie, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so specifically what he said to the YouTube channel Mr. H uh, is that he has written the script... Oh, no. He was written in the script as a big whale-like creature. It was called the Behemoth, and in designing the movie, they were done shooting, but they obviously never shot the Behemoth because they were going to put it in later in post. And then he was like... Well, we were early enough in the design where it was able to shift it to a more mystical being. So then they were like, okay, we're just going to make it Cthulhu. And apparently you can see his wings, which is awesome. I didn't really see that because it yeah. was in, honestly the smallest movie screen in the whole theater. But <laughs> yeah, mine too. that would have been cool to see that. in Dolby, I, I wish that they put that in there instead of 1917. But, you know, what are you going to do? overall yeah i, I wasn't it's, able it's to cool. see
1: that in mine like or, or i just wasn't paying attention to it but uh definitely cool that there's like enough people out there like directors and and things like that that are excited about cthulhu and want to actively include him in their work like i, I think that's awesome
0: yeah it's like that ice iceberg meme where it's like most of the iceberg is underwater and yeah. like underwater and then the top part is like kirsten stewart uh alien like plot and then the big part of the iceberg you can't see is Cthulhu <laughs> and like costume design and set design. Yeah. Like this movie, just the production value elevates it so much. I think it's really good. I, again, people need to go see it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess sort of a spoiler that like Cthulhu's in it, but I would assume that would actually entice people to go see the movie as opposed to like right. <laughs> discourage people. Cause they're like, all oh, the twist is ruined. So I would say if you had any interest, um, Go see it because I I think it deserves any kind of ticket money that it's going to get for these short run that it's going to be in theaters.
0: Yeah. So next up, we have some exciting news. It's it's kind of disappointing, but kind of exciting. Uh, It's exciting for a reason I'll talk about in a second. So Fede Alvarez uh, is not directing Don't Breathe 2, but his co-writer, Roto Sayagues is. And I guess it's called Don't Breathe Again. Uh, And there's no plot details yet, but it's set several years after the home invasion of the first movie and the blind man is living in quiet solace again until his past sins catch up to him. The reason it's exciting is because Fetty Alvarez did a poll, remember last year we talked about, Mm -hmm. and he said, what should I work on next? Evil Dead 2 or Don't Breathe 2 and Evil Dead 2 won. So I don't know if this means he's working on Evil Dead 2, but he's obviously working on something. Right, he's not he's... directing the Texas Chainsaw and he's not directing this.
1: Right, so like if it's splitting his effort to another project where Don't Breathe, which I think was, you know, very well received and a uh, huge movie for him and that's not the project he's working on, then hopefully it would be another huge production like uh Evil Dead.
0: Right. And I hope uh Don't Breathe 2 turns out well because it's a Michigan-set movie, assuming that he stayed in the same spot. Um, I'd really like to know if Jane Levy's coming back, because that movie ends with a stinger where the blind man is going after her character. So I, I think there's more to explore that. Like, that guy is a really cool villain. That movie had, like, nine endings, and all of them were terrifying. So <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see what uh, the co-writer can do with the property, because obviously when Lee Winnell took over directing roles after writing a bunch of james Wan's movies like he ended up actually di- writing and then directing um an insidious movie he did a really good job so there's nothing to say that this guy won't do the same thing
1: yeah i mean i i think both of us kind of said that uh we we're a little bit hesitant for don't breathe even getting a sequel because it's like where can you really take the story from there like it's kind of fully realized within the first movie so what more could you really expand upon but I mean, if they feel like there's more story to tell um, and, you know, the blind man is still there and, and they have some kind of, you know, his past sins could talk to him. So possibly it's like another group of people that he's wronged in the past or it is, you know, maybe Jane Levy's character comes back for something uh, that could be cool, too. So I'm really just kind of excited to see what they do with it from here.
0: And most importantly, Fetty Alvarez did co-write this movie as well. So it's not like he's completely absent from it. I'm sure I'll end up producing it too um, through that bad ombre pictures that he uses. The next thing on here is really quick, but Trick or Treat Studios is making scary stories to tell in the dark masks. And because Guillermo del Toro thought ahead so well in making sure that the mov- the movie's monsters looked exactly like Stephen Gamel's drawings, we're now getting masks of Stephen Gamel's drawings, which is awesome. And they'll be out for this Halloween. You get Big Toe, Pale Lady, and Harold the Scarecrow.
1: Yeah, they all look great from this uh, little screenshot that they released, like as the promo picture.
0: Yeah, I really want the Harold the Scarecrow one. That would look so sweet on, a, like a bust, you know? Yeah. Like if I could get one of those foam heads.
1: The pale lady one's hilarious to me.
0: Yeah, you know the problem is scary or not scary stories. Trick or Cheat Studios puts out these images, and then the mask rarely looks like the image. Right. So hopefully this is a case where it does. Like they get close enough, obviously. But the big thing that usually needs to be done with their masks is that they need to be repainted. So hopefully they turn out looking as well as this does.
1: Yeah, usually attention to detail isn't uh, the strong suit. Like they look, you know, from like 10 feet away, they look okay. But when you get up close, they're not quite, you know, movie quality.
0: Right. And, you know, to be fair, their masks are definitely in a cheaper price range. You know, like the Halloween mask was 60 bucks, which
1: Which is affordable. Yeah
0: and if you if you know how to repaint it it's an easy process. So it's not it's not like they're terrible masks or anything like that. They're they're good for what the price is, but sometimes the advertising doesn't match up and I think that's a little bit of an issue. But um another thing where the advertising didn't really match up to the final product <laughs> is that three from hell comes to shutter in february it's coming out on thursday february 13th i guess it, I, I wasn't sure if shutter was going to be like a streaming platform for this but it makes sense because they were the official streaming partner for 31 and i think it did really well on that streaming service so now that i can watch it without buying it i will definitely check it out
1: Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is it always kind of felt like it was supposed to be a VOD or a straight-to-streaming service movie because, I mean, like, right from the beginning, it it didn't really have the budget that the other movies did. It was kind of, like, hurting for funding. It seemed like, you know, it was a very limited release in theaters. So it seems like it almost should have just been a shutter release from the start if they really wanted to get, like, the most eyes on it when it came out.
0: Um, Yeah, it was released through Fathom Events. I've only been to one Fathom event, and it was like a Mystery Science Theater three thousand revival screening of Dawn of the or Night of the Living Dead, and it was really fun. But I thought like Fathom events is usually reserved for anime and shit. But yeah, that's how Rob Zombie decided to release his new movie. But yeah, it really did seem like something that would end up on Shutter. That's a great point. So I'm glad it is because that's kind of like the perfect spot for it. I feel like a lot of his fans will shell out five bucks to watch it if they haven't seen it yet you know
1: yeah i mean honestly like you're saying you know in, in a forum like this where it's a streaming service i already pay for this makes me much more likely to watch the movie because it's something that i can just throw on uh, without having to rent it through another streaming service or something like that
0: exactly and then the last news story we have here i kind of saved the best for last in terms of things i'm excited about so daniel myrick sat down with i think the podcast is called the boo crew they're over on bloody disgusting and daniel myrick for those who don't know is the co-director of the blair witch project and he sold the rights he sold his stake in hacks and films to eduardo sanchez a long time ago which is why eduardo sanchez used the name to make exists which is that big movie we watched over break yeah um but he said so daniel Myrick sat down with the boot crew and he was talking about uh why he never really went back and worked on blair witch and he says lionsgate hasn't been too interested in their input which is sort of ironic and he said but whenever they're ready him and eduardo sanchez are hanging out if they want them to come back and take a stab at it he said this is all like exactly what i've been saying for months especially in my documentary he was like. Ed and I wrote a sequel script. It's still on the shelf over at Lionsgate. We implied that the mythology goes before the Ellie Kedward story because everyone thinks Ellie Kedward's the witch, but she's not. And he said, he continued, I've been preaching this gospel, both Ed and I, for years. We set up a universe, a Blair Witch universe that is by design to be explored. As a creative person, I love the idea of having the standalone Rustin Parr movie or an original film that feels like the witch, you know, a period piece. And it doesn't have to say Blair Witch, but you know, it's part of that universe. So there's plenty to mine from what we've created and what's already been established and all you have to do is imply that it's part of that universe the fans will know so that's been their pitch to lionsgate since day one they've got all the episodes ready to be done so they want to do it in a cool way and this is interesting because they we've heard that lionsgate wants to turn blair witch into a tv show like that universe and they've mm-hmm. been working on that for a while it, it sounds like he's pitching it right now <laughs> you know tell us like. the Rustin parr story you know we want to hear what what happened in Burkittsville before El- Ellie Kedward. Like, really fill in the gaps.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing that makes me weird about this is that Exist movie wasn't very good. So
0: yeah, it's good. That movie was pretty garbage. The, some of the shots, though, were kind of creepy, like with Bigfoot running next to him on the bike. Like, that's still amazing.
1: Definitely some of the shots are creepy. And I think he should, obviously, you know, both of them should be involved in, like, writing the story of it. Like, they seem like the experts on it since they literally wrote the book on it. So I think they should be involved in, you know, if this does become a TV series, you know, creating creating the arcs, creating the characters, making the setting. But I think they should probably bring in maybe some other team to, like, maybe fine tune things or direct it while they kind of just focus on the story.
0: Yeah. So he from what I learned when I was like digging into everything about the first movie, he was kind of doing a lot of the the legwork on building out the universe. You know, he was working with the guy who was coming up with the stick man. He was working on with the guy who was coming up with the, the book they ended up putting in the museum called the Blair witch cult. Like he's the one who kind of mapped all this out. And then Eduardo Sanchez was doing more of the directorial work. That's just how I kind of figured it out. So mm-hmm. this is, this is the guy you need both of them involved. Basically you can't have one or the other. They really are a team. Like they're a duo and they both pull different weight in different areas. So yeah. if they're going to do this, they need to bring them both back. The and it's definitely. Though, wait, it, like. Yeah, you go.
1: It is a cool universe that has a lot to be explored. Like
0: There's so um, much you can do.
1: Like, we obviously have, you know, like the Book of Shadows, which is, you know, not really a sequel. It just feels like another, you know, pretty bad, like, late 90s horror movie that they threw the title on to, to try to get some views out of it. Yeah. Um the remake, which, you know, love it or hate it, it like, you know, I think both of us kind of do have a soft spot in our heart for that movie. But it, there's really not been a lot explored in that universe that could and could be really cool if it was explored in a long form content like this.
0: If you wanna know really what the mythology is that they left at Lionsgate, it's all in the new Blair Witch movie, the Uh, i guess yeah blair witch it's it's all there like simon and adam really took what was established in the first movie exclusively and ran with that and they did a good job at it so if you really dig into that movie and you like what it's exploring that's kind of like what this guy's talking about what he wants to do with it i'm definitely here for it i love the blair witch universe i think it's so cool i don't know why lionsgate would wouldn't hit these guys up though you know like they yeah, had it seems ideas like, from the start, and they like it fucked it a, up by giving it away. Like, the yeah. guy in 2 did a bad job.
1: Right, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer if the guys who invented the series that was a huge smash hit wanted to come back and expand on that, why wouldn't you want the original creators involved in that in some way?
0: Yeah, it's bizarre, and apparently they wrote it all down anyway, so nothing's going on with that franchise right now the game did really well you know it was reviewed really well it sold well it's just released on ps4 there's obviously hype for this universe so bring back the original guys and let them do a new movie like halloween 2018 style you know
1: yeah i mean and like yeah i mean that's a good point like the halloween came back in a major way um and so this if it was like another you know return to form for a really popular horror franchise i could see this doing like really huge numbers in terms of viewership if they did want to do a movie or even if it was like a tv show on one of the premium networks as long as it was like a you know maybe like a netflix or something that people already have access to um, i could see people really tuning into it
0: yeah and lionsgate we we were talking about this break they they don't really care they don't you know vet a lot of the movies they put their name on they're just like all, right, you want to put a movie out? all right we'll distribute <laughs> Definitely it for
1: you.
0: we get to put our logo before the movie like they put out knives out it's so out of their wheels wheelhouse they put yeah. out all these indie movies like it seems like this is just sitting there for them to play around with it and figure it out and i hope they do in the near future but george that is the end of episode 84 of fear frequency i think that was a pretty good episode
1: yeah i think we covered a lot uh go see parasite
0: yeah just rent it like watch it at home well you have to buy it so i think it's worth owning though like it's definitely a movie i would go back and watch again down the line
1: yeah i agree
0: so let us know what you think of parasite on twitter at uh jimmy champagne and george frizard follow me on my youtube channel it's uh, jimmy champagne and we will see you guys next week bye